1: Good morning, Chelsea fans. This is our debut Football London Blue is the Colour podcast. Um, I'm Tom Marshall Whaley. I'll be presenting this morning. Uh, I'm joined by Oliver Harbord, who's our Chelsea FC reporter. Good morning, Oliver. Hello. Uh, we've got Kevin Byrne, who's our transfers editor. Good morning, everyone. And we've also got Liam Toomey, who uh, from ESPN. I'm delighted to have him on board this morning. Good morning, Liam. Pleasure
2: to be here, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: Not a problem whatsoever. So um, I guess we'll just get cracking straight away. Deadline day has arrived. Um, Chelsea could be could be busy today, Ollie. There's a, there's a few irons in the fire, I believe.
3: Yeah, I think it looks like uh, out of all the sort of top clubs going today, it looks like Chelsea are going to be the busiest. Um, I think the, the main thing they're looking for is is that backup goalkeeper to to Courtois. It looks like uh, you know Begovic has clearly said that he. He does want to leave the club. He wants more first-team football. So it's finding that backup goalkeeper to to allow him to go, which is uh, uh, it's becoming a bit of a problem at the moment. Uh, with only a few hours left of the transfer deadline day,
1: it's it's a difficult deal to kind of pull off, that, I guess, Liam, isn't it? In, tr- in trying to convince a keeper. I mean, I mean, Craig Gordon at the moment um, seems like the most viable kind of target for Chelsea, I guess, but is there a sense uh, on your part that they might kind of suffer the same problem and that they couldn't guarantee Begovic the first team football do you think there's a you know a similar scenario that could unfold there with Gordon too
2: well there have been uh, there have been a few a few lines in the in the reports about Craig Gordon that he's concerned about coming to Chelsea and, and sitting on the bench but i mean that is the deal that would be what he's signing up for he would be the 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 upside for him would be that he'd be vastly increasing his wages, um, but there there is a trade off. He's number one at Celtic right now in a club that you know plays in the Champions League. So, but it, it, he has to decide exactly what his priorities are, and he doesn't really have a long time to do it. I don't think there's a there, there, there's a huge panic on Chelsea's side though. I think they'd quite like to get a goalkeeper over the line to to give Begovic what he wants, but. I, I think if they can't do that, they're fairly comfortable that Begovic, and Begovic has already said this, that he won't uh, kick up a fuss between now and the end of the season if he doesn't get his move to Bournemouth.
1: Do you think, Kev, if Gordon wants to be the, the player that they do bring in, do you think that's the right replacement for
0: Begovic? I think from a Chelsea point of view, it's the right replacement. I'm not sure it's the right move for Gordon, though. He's, what, 34 years old? He's not got a whole lot of time left to to kind of be the man somewhere it'd be different if he was you know 38, 39 but at 34 years old that's really when a goalkeeper is kind of coming to the end of his peak and to agree to go to a club like Chelsea would be great for him but it's not that they can't guarantee him first team football it's that they they'll guarantee him that he's not getting first team football and it just seems like a strange option for someone who's who wants to be number one for his country as well and you got to remember that so it it just doesn't make sense for Celtic to sell him for four million. It's not very much. It doesn't make sense for Gordon to do it. It makes sense for Chelsea, but I just don't think it makes sense for Celtic or for Craig Gordon to do it.
1: And I guess Holly, today, if Chelsea are to be active in the, on deadline day, it's going to be about players that can can come in and, and strengthen. You know the the options that Antonio Conte has from the bench, uh, amongst the reserves, players like obviously say I'd cut Kolasinac at Schalke. I'll, uh, I'll get my uh, tongue untwisted after that one. Um, Kolasinac, is he, in your mind, I, I mean, I've, I've seen a few Chelsea fans discussing this, that Nathan Ake was obviously brought back from Bournemouth to fill in a few gaps in the Chelsea squad. Looking at Kolasinac's profile, he, he almost seems to be exactly that in that he's you know, quite versatile.
3: Yeah, I mean, well, the, I mean, the Chelsea first team at the moment picks itself, doesn't it? The starting eleven. There's nobody really breaking into that side apart from obviously you look at uh, the decisions between whether he starts Pedro or Willian is really the only choice that Conte, the only headache he seems to have at the moment. So, whoever does come in in this window is very much playing back up to to the players that are already there. He, I mean, as a as a he's a left back, obviously, generally. Um, can play a bit of centre-back and then but that is what he brought Ake back for from Bournemouth he does he already feels that cover and it's whether you you need another player who fits that mould or whether you just say that Ake is the guy that we're going to invest in Uh, he's going to be the backup and then hopefully you know maybe one day he will push for that starting place as well but you know I don't think I don't think he's going to come in if he does come in I know Schalke are maybe looking to to hopefully keep him but you know, I don't think he's going to come in and push for a first-team place at the moment. And to be honest, it's not really it's not really what Chelsea are looking for, I don't think. You've also got
0: Kurt Zuma coming back from injury. So it's kind of a situation where Chelsea do this quite a lot. They'll stock up on players or stockpile them. And then they don't really have anything to do with any of them. So it just seems like a strange move to have recalled Ake from loan, have Kurt Zuma coming back from injury, and then to move for a defender as well. It just doesn't make sense, and this is a mistake that Chelsea have made time and time again. It's the same one that they made with De Bruyne all those years ago, is that you you have to be able to give these guys game time, and it just seems like Chelsea are repeating the same mistakes, no matter who comes in as manager, really.
1: Well, that's uh, quite some statement. I'm interested to hear what you think on that Liam with, with obviously Ake returning he, he gives Conte numerous options at the back but also you know potential to play as the left wing back if, if um, Alonso needs a rest just interested to know what um, you think Conte might have in mind for him for the rest of the season
2: well I mean as far as we know Conte was the one who drove the decision to bring Ake back so he clearly rates him highly um, he's constantly stressed Ake's versatility um, in, every time he's been asked about him in press conferences so that leads us to believe that he's in his plans that the match one is 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 a little bit strange uh, not just because of Ake but they also brought on Kennedy against Brentford at the weekend which now means that he's represented two clubs this season So that suggests heavily he won't be going out on loan um, that means three natural left footers in the squad for for the as potential options for the wing back positions. Um so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there and whether uh, I know Schalker have rejected the, have confirmed they've rejected the initial bid for Kalashanac remains to be seen whether Chelsea will go back in it. But if they do, um it could be a sign that one of those guys is going out. Um but it would be you know be a bit of a surprise for any of them at this stage to be to, to be moved out either on loan or permanently there aren't really, aren't really any noises about
1: that at this point Do you find it surprising as well the Kolasinac link given Abdul Baba Rahman's injury how obviously he's out of contract in the summer so I guess there's an element of um, you know not not being able to call the shots I guess but are you Slightly surprised that they'd entertain letting a player go in that position so close to the deadline. If if indeed they are
2: for Schalke, letting him go. Yes. Yeah, I mean it. It would seem to leave them fairly fairly thin on the ground in that position. Um, I think the where where Schalke had difficulty is that Klasnac has six months left on his contract, so he has most of the leverage, and even if they don't. If they don't sell him for a fee in this window, he could easily agree. From January the first, he's been able to negotiate with clubs for a free transfer in the summer. So, um, I guess that's the difficulty from their point of view. But clearly, losing a first-team player in a position that you you don't have a lot of options with um, mid-season is far from ideal for them.
1: The um, obviously we've spoken about Craig Gordon, spoken about Said Kalasnach. Obviously, Moussa Dembélé has been linked as well. The the Celtic Moussa Dembélé, um, Oli. Do you, given the price tag that's attached, and I know you know the inflation of in the market nowadays, it's it's almost impossible to gauge, kind of how good a player is by his price tag. But you'd you'd surely be surprised to see Chelsea enter the running at this stage for a player at that price.
3: Well, yeah, especially having paid thirty-three million for Mitchie. Uh Bachway in the summer as well, and you know you see how little game time, especially in the Premier League, that that he's had. Um, it, I guess it's one of those. he is the hot property at the moment, isn't he? He's, he's the he's the player that a lot of people have been talking about with his performances in, in the Scottish Premiership and for Celtic. Um, and it's whether I guess what, if they're willing to pay such a price to grab his signature and, and have him for the future. I don't think he's he's not the player for for this season. He's not the player. I can't see that they'd want to to have as backup to Costa if if Costa gets injured or or anything like that to sort of see them over the line during the Premier League. And I mean, what still that would be for Celtic to to what they paid five hundred thousand or something to to grab him and then to sell him on for for forty million pounds would just be absolutely incredible. So he's not the player for right now, but he's young. He's 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 a hot property in in Europe, and and maybe they just want to grab his signature straight away. But after spending 33 million pounds uh, for Batshuayi, it would it'd be a lot of money on two strikers over over the course of sort of only a few months. And
1: obviously, Kev, um, I mean, it's unlikely again at this stage, given given how close it is to the deadline. But any deal for Dembélé could obviously have possible ramifications for what happens to Batshuayi, at least in the short term, anyway.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's the most interesting storyline for Chelsea today: is what they're going to do with Batshuayi, and whether he's going to stick around. I've been really impressed with him this season. I think he's a very good player. I think he he could be a Chelsea striker for the next 10 years if they want him there. But uh I just the Dembélé move again, it's one that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. They're going to spend 40 million on someone that they can't use this season. So what are they going to loan him back out to Celtic? But just in a purely kind of press related Way of looking at things, it wouldn't look very good for Chelsea to spend forty million million on someone that they're not going to use. So I just I don't really get it. I was saying to you guys earlier that if they are going to move for someone this year, this January, it's going to be someone like Lorente. Who, if Costa goes down, they can just throw into the starting lineup straight away. It's in a, in a player's development it's someone as young as Dembele is you don't want to move him mid-season it interrupts everything that he's been doing this year it makes more sense for them to even agree a fee now and have him come in over the summer like they did with Batshuayi I just I just don't see it happening but yeah if if it does uh, it's going to have huge ramifications just all around the league because Celtic are going to need to move for someone too and they're suddenly going to have money to play with that they've never had before so it'll be interesting
1: I guess it begs a question in that case, and um, I get, this is open to everyone. But, but Liam, if if, if you'd like to start off, that'd be great. Um, did Did Chelsea really need anyone today?
2: Um, I don't think they desperately need anyone. I think uh, they'd like a backup goalkeeper just to, you know, help fulfil Begovic's desire for first team football. But in terms of what they need, they, the squad doesn't have a great deal of depth. Um, but they may not need it. They don't have that many games left this season. Um, even if they go deep into the FA Cup, and the, you know, with the return of Ake and uh, a couple of younger players who perhaps might be in a better position to contribute in the second half of the season, Conte has about three or four players outside the starting eleven that can come in and, and, and do a solid job. And that, we saw with Leicester last season that that might be enough. Um as long as you don't get hit hard with injuries, so I don't think they need anyone, and I think they're aware of that, which is why they're not i don't you know they're not going for any of their you know plus caliber targets um we haven't seen that at all in January I think they're, they're they're keeping their powder dry on those um for the summer they recognize that you can't really get those players mid season so if there if there are deals to be done for for squad players and players that could maybe help them a little bit today then they'll do it but I think otherwise they're, they're pretty comfortable um, keeping themselves you know keeping the, keeping their money particularly keeping that Oscar money in reserve for the summer
1: Absolutely and that that's just it it's, it's, it's finding that value for money um, at this stage of the window is is always going to be difficult I, they were obviously linked with front Kessie at Atalanta early in the window, Oli. Do you think midfield might be an area that, obviously that kind of has been barely spoken about today with the the links to Gordon, Kalasanak and Dembele, but do you think that they might be a little short there? I know obviously they've got Fabregas and Chalabar that can come in for for the first choice pairing of Kante and Matic, but um, do you think there's enough experience, I guess, there?
3: Yeah, well, I think Kessie... Would fit into um, Conte's style pretty well, you know, with the sort of two defensive midfielders that he likes to play with, the, the, the role that the Matich and uh, Kante have played so well for Chelsea this season. Um, you, I mean, you talk about Fabregas is absolutely class player, we all know that is the talent he's got and the skill he's got. And then, but if, say, you know, just a, a freak occurrence that a couple of players do get injured in that position. You are starting to look at Chalibur who getting more more game time. Obviously, not quite as tested this year. Um, not played a great amount of football in the Premier League, so maybe they could do with one more just in that just in the middle, just to just to help see. But as Liam said, you know, I mean, they don't have a great amount of games compared to a lot more of the, uh, a lot more of the uh, of the teams up there. No, you know, European football, just the FA Cup to focus on and the league as well. So they could do without having to get anyone this, this January transfer window. I think he did intimate uh, a couple of weeks ago in the press conference saying that he would like to add a couple of squad members if needed, but maybe one more in that middle of the park, just just to be completely comfortable in case of injuries. But apart from that, yeah, they don't need to do a great great amount of di- uh, deals, really, this this January transfer window.
1: What about you, Kev? Do you think there's a, there's a need, or do you think it, it would just be a case of... I guess Kolasinac in that respect would be probably... Probably a useful signing in that he can obviously operate in, in multiple positions if that was you know something they did want to pursue.
0: Yeah, uh, I think it kind of comes back to this idea, though, of need versus want. I don't think Chelsea need anyone. I don't think a team that isn't in Europe, that hasn't been in Europe at all this season, so they're not even worn down from that, they're seven or eight points clear at the top of the table. I don't think they need to add anyone. Um, they might decide to because it would be nice but uh, I know Arsene Wenger gets a lot of stick every year for not adding enough players but you know he has a point when it comes to if your team's not if you don't have injuries then you suddenly have a massive problem with keeping everyone happy and this has been a problem for Chelsea throughout the Abramovich era is it's why they have what 27 players out on loan all around Europe. They they have more than enough squad members. It's whether or not they want to use them as a different thing. So, if I were Chelsea, I would kind of just stick with what you have because they they're not going to the, the games aren't going to come thick and fast for them. They're only in two tournaments and one of them's the FA Cup. So, if if I were Chelsea, I would just sit tight to be honest with you. I think they've got a very good squad. And
1: looking ahead uh, towards the summer, I know that seems a, a pretty distant prospect at this point. But obviously, attention as soon as as soon as we reach eleven PM tonight, it turns towards the summer transfer window and what happens then. Do you think um, there are kind of any areas that Conte would look to address
3: then, looking a bit more longer term, Ollie? Well, I think obviously, you know, next year they will be playing Champions League football. There's pretty much no doubt about that now so there will be areas that they'll need to strengthen all over the park I think obviously it depends on, on they might need another centre back with maybe John Terry going out as well this year we don't know if this will be his final season for Chelsea um, again that mid of the park might need strengthening and then it depends on Diego Costa as well over the summer I mean I know obviously he's, he said he's happy at Chelsea and, and this whole China saga this, this transfer window is completely blown over but the uh, transfer window in summer opens up a new sort of um, line, if you like, and it opens up, his head is going to get turned again maybe in the summer by another Chinese offer, another big bid. You just don't know quite what, ha- what might happen. So I think with that, they will definitely need to add numbers then because they will be playing a lot more games, a lot more Champions League football. So yeah, the squad numbers will definitely have to increase, I think, from that. You, you touched
1: on the potential outgoings moving forward there. Uh, Liam, obviously it looks as if Branislav Ivanovic is... Uh, Chelsea career looks to be coming to an end. Just wondered if you you could give us your kind of, I guess, a tribute to what a what a magnificent career he's had at Stamford Bridge.
2: Sure. Well, he's um, he, he was sort of he, he became Chelsea's unlikeliest, untouchable. Really, um, you know, nine years at Stamford Bridge. Most people didn't expect him to last that long, particularly when he didn't. Play at all in his first season, but he he found a he found a way to make himself indispensable by transforming transforming himself from a you know a young reasonably highly rated centre back into one of the most effective, if slightly unconventional, full-backs in Europe. Um, not necessarily the the best crosser, but a fantastic um, you know a fantastic effort player had a knack for scoring crucial goals and, and defended his position very very well and I think it's the crucial goals that that Chelsea fans will remember most he's one of only four men in the club's history to score a winning goal in a European final um, and uh, yeah and I think a lot of Chelsea fans will probably remember his goal against Napoli as well his role in that in that Champions League run it, you can't write the story of the Roman Abramovich era without him, and I think that's uh, that's to his great credit.
1: There was obviously the the 14 goal at, at Manchester City as well, Ollie, That um, obviously wasn't a defining goal as such, but again, it just went to show how you know how much of a threat he was in the final third, as, as well as being rock solid at the back.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and they just gave Chelsea that extra extra option didn't he with those sort of crucial goals I mean I'll, I, as I wrote in a piece the other day I'll always remember the interview with Jeff Shreves after the uh, after the semi-final and um, he, he discovered that he wouldn't be playing in the final and you just saw that heartbreaking moment the look on his face when it dawned on him and Jeff Shreves uh, sort of sticking the dagger in his heart in that moment and from that, you know, it meant so much to him <clears throat> to reach that Champions League final, and for them to go on and win it, and then he did get his his deserved medal was was fantastic, and he has been a, an, an absolute unsung hero a lot of the times for for Chelsea over the years.
1: There's um, obviously just just wanted to um, come away from transfers a little bit, given that there is also a, midweek, a, a full midweek Premier League programme, rather bizarrely um, coinciding with deadline day. Chelsea are obviously at Liverpool tonight. You'll be there, Ollie, You'll be there too, Liam. Um, just wonder what your thoughts were ahead of the
3: game. Well, going to Anfield is always a, is a hard place to go, but I guess they're, they're going at probably the best time to be playing Liverpool at Anfield, having lost three games on the bounce at home. Um, confidence is going to be as low as it ever has been. Um, you know, Conte alluded to, to the game going to be very open tonight, and he's probably right. I mean, Liverpool need to win the game. There's no doubt about it. If they, if they lose tonight, then even though they've got a thin chance at the moment of winning the title, they, you know, you've got to say 13 points for them to, to catch up on on Chelsea. is just way too much. So, we're hoping for an open game, it should, it should be on, on Liverpool's side anyway, which will allow the likes of Hazard, Pedro, Costa, William when he comes up, those guys, it should allow them some space and, and good attacking options. So I can, I can see Chelsea going to, to Anfield tonight and, and doing a good job, I think.
1: Liam, you won't forgive me for asking you this, but do you think win tonight, win over Arsenal, do you think that might be it in the title race?
2: I think uh, I think if they if they win both games, it, it it will be extremely difficult for the for the chasing pack to catch them. I, I always thought that if they came out of these two matches with a six point lead, which would mean they could afford to draw one of these games, I, I still think they'd be very confident of of closing things out. Just depending on just going on the stage we are at in the season, I think they they, don't, they then don't play another top six team until City and United in April. So you know the road the road clears for them somewhat. It 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 does it does seem that they're catching Liverpool at a good time. Although I would caution that you know it would be a very different Liverpool team to the one that um, to the one that went out of the FA Cup at the weekend um, in terms of personnel and attitude. And clearly, you know, previously the the visits of Chelsea to Anfield have brought something extra out of Liverpool. which kind of led to the great rivalry between the two clubs so I think it will be a a really good game tonight but the two things that have underpinned Chelsea's run since September is that they don't give teams many chances and they take the chances that they get extremely ruthlessly so do both of those tonight um, Liverpool could have a very tough tough match
0: How do you see it going Kev? Uh, On paper Chelsea should win this but you know games aren't played on paper I think that Klopp's way of playing is kind of by accident or by design is kind of perfectly suited to take the game to Chelsea and really pressure them in a way that no one else really has done this season and you saw it in the match at Stamford Bridge when Liverpool won and I think you know you look at it and say Liverpool haven't won in 2017 yet they've lost three at uh, at home on the bounce I'd be worried if I was a Chelsea fan. Um like Klopp is a very passionate man. Liverpool have very passionate fans and the club itself is quite known for upping the ante against Chelsea in particular. So I think it could be a really really good game and I think Kante's right that it should be very open. It's just it's really about who can take the chances because this is one of the games that you know, could end up for all. To be honest with you, it's very hard to call.
1: Do you think, when you look through that Chelsea team, though, and you, you, obviously you mentioned, the, you know, the famous Anfield atmosphere for big games like this, but do, you look at that Chelsea team and look at some of the players in there. Diego Costa will surely relish this. Nemanja Matić will surely relish this. There are players in there that I think will, you know, be prepared for. <laughs> Liverpool to come out for the opening 15 minutes with a, with a real sort of strong start.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and also they're playing with so much confidence as well <clears throat> at the moment that, you know, it's just about taking that atmosphere and just sort of going with it, but but keeping your heads at the same time and, and knowing that Liverpool are the ones that are going to have to come out and push, push hard, especially in that first 15 minutes as well. And, and if they can, obviously try and get that early goal. And, but Chelsea can go there and, you know, Anfield can be very loud at times, but also it can be very quiet at times if you can silence, if you can silence that crowd with a decent opening start to the game. And you can really get on top of the crowd and the players as well. And I think, the, I think that's one of the messages Conte will, will have for his players, is get on top of them early, quieten the crowd down, and sort of take the atmosphere out of Anfield if they can. Well,
0: What, what I worry about for Chelsea is, I think, Matic and Hazard in particular two players who you can definitely get in their heads and I would not be shocked at all to see Malage pick up a red card today that's the kind of thing that has kind of plagued his career is kind of letting these kind of occasions get to him the
1: you met, you obviously mentioned that the, the previous um encounter at Stanford Bridge how how different Liam do you think that the two sides are now I mean obviously that, that, that result at the time was a, a bit of a shock I mean Chelsea kind of obviously hadn't really found their feet there was the draw at Swansea City obviously previous to that um, and I think Conte was still trying to work out his best 11 obviously the, the following Arsenal game resulted in the, the switch to three at the back but um, beyond, beyond that obvious kind of Tactical tweak? Do you, do you think there are sort of any key differences between the two teams from from that previous fixture?
2: Well, Conte was actually asked about this in his press conference, and he said something which I think is very true, which is um, even aside from the the shift to three four three, Chelsea just weren't weren't a team in the same sense that they are now. Back in September, um, you know, there, there wasn't the same confidence. In each other on the pitch, regardless of the system, and and when that happens, the, the team kind of crumbles in in, the, in the, at the first sign of adversity, which you know Chelsea fans became very accustomed to seeing last season, and, and Conte was was very worried about repeating back in September. Um, now, I mean, you've seen in the last three or four months they've come through tough moments in matches, they've they've scored late goals to win games, they. You know, you saw what happened when they went to Manchester City at that time. City were most people's picks to win the title. Um, went there, with the storm for about 60 minutes, and won the game. And even when they lost to Tottenham, uh, Conte said they lost like a team because they weren't overawed by the atmosphere. They didn't. They didn't crumble under the pressure. Tottenham was simply the better team on the night. Um, so I, I don't see. I don't see any real recent evidence to suggest Chelsea will be overruled by the anfield atmosphere. It's just a matter of how well they play and, and, and how well Liverpool are able to um, maybe not counteract what they do, but play to, play to their own strengths, the ones that Klopp's teams are
1: famous for. Again, you're not going to forgive me for this one, but uh,
3: score predictions. Ollie. I'm going to go with uh, three-one Chelsea tonight. Okay. Uh, Two all. Two all.
1: Yeah. Again, obviously, as you said, Liam, that would, you know, going into the Arsenal game with such a strong record against Arsenal at the Bridge, that would um, leave Chelsea in a fairly strong position. But can we get your score as well? How do you see it going?
2: Well, I'm, I'm inclined to think a draw, but Conte hasn't really done draws since he turned <laughs> up at Chelsea. So um, I might echo Ollie's prediction
1: that she say two-one to Chelsea. Supreme confidence—that's <laughs> that's what I like to see.
0: You've got to give us yours.
1: I do. I, I, I think um, I think Chelsea will win two-one tonight. I think they I think they're going to have too much for Liverpool, um, irrespective. But I, I think the big thing. For Chelsea, really tonight is dealing with Sadio Mane, um, but but is he going to be you know back from the Afcon too soon? I I, I worry that probably he is, and I think Klopp's going to be under pressure to try and shoehorn him into the eleven when he's obviously not been been with them for the best part of a month. So um, yeah, I, I I think all signs point to a Chelsea victory for me tonight. Um, that just about wraps everything up. Um, thank you very much for Liam Toomey from ESPN FC for joining us this morning thank you Liam thanks guys uh, and thank you to Kev transfers editor at football.london and Ollie, our Chelsea FC writer uh, we'll be back uh, next week with our second uh, edition of the Chelsea Blue is a Colour podcast and for all the latest uh, transfer deadline activity head to www.football.london we're also on Twitter and Facebook too Fantastic. Thank you very much. Goodbye.